Good afternoon to you. It is Thursday, December 14th at 1.59, almost 2 p.m. This week has been a slow one, almost like a bye week in uh, college football. And um, I was going to post earlier in the week, but I got a little bit busy with work, so I was not able to do it. But now I've got a little bit of time, a weird Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. quick cast, but why not? Who knows? Maybe you need a, a little break from work. This is just what the doctor ordered. Or maybe not. Maybe I'll have no live viewers. That could also happen. Uh, regardless, uh, if you're listening, I do appreciate you tuning in. And I um, uh, hope you uh, are excited about Saturday's somewhat sizable contest contest for your Boilermakers versus Arizona. So we have at least one, if not two, live viewers. So that's great. Thank you, gentlemen, for tuning in, Todd and Ted. Anybody else with a T would be also appreciated. A Tim. A Tom. Um, no, but um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, before I get into what I've got topics to talk about, actual notes today, and um, before I get into them, let me thank our sponsors. First off, they can't, you can't get this there. You can't get this sweatshirt there, but if you head over to homefieldapparel.com, I think you're probably a little late for Christmas. I don't think you'll get it in time for Christmas, but if you're looking for something for your family or for yourself, a sweatshirt, a t-shirt with your favorite Boilermaker logos, the heritage stuff that everybody loves so much, it's soft, it's cozy, homefieldapparel.com, uh, pick out your favorite thing, enter Boiled23 at checkout, get 15% off of your first order. Um, also, when you're on campus, you know where to go. You do not go to parking first. You park in regards to where AJ's is. You head over to AJ's on Vine. You go in there, maybe you go to AJ's dot, uh, eatajs.com and you order ahead. So it's there right when you sit down. And when you sit down, you're probably going to want a pint. You're probably going to want maybe a, what I had last time, I didn't even drink real beer. I drank, uh, I drank, root beer and it was good some good it was off draft it's very very good uh one time i went in there i got the full uh, the full uh, stein or the um pardon me pint glass the next time i went in there i just got a normal looks like i was drinking a coke but i was enjoying a root beer but go in there get your favorite pint burgers beef and beer that's aj's aj's on vine adam and jake helpful staff television's there to catch up on the news i'm sure you're gonna watch you're gonna ask for cnn but they're gonna say no no we've got sports on these tvs right now you enjoy the sports gosh darn it so, um, so let's talk about what I was, what I wanted to talk about, and what you tuned in to see, is uh, me thinking about things that no one asked me to think about. Um, but, but one thing that I am reacting to right now, or I've been reacting to, and if anybody's in the Purdue podcast sphere or likes to waste time thinking and talking about Purdue, you've heard that one of the writers from the Athletic um, said that Zach Eady gets unfair treatment, um, and he used some um, really, really lazy stats, surface stats about why he is positive. Zach Eady is getting unfair treatment from the ref, meaning the bias is toward the National Player of the Year. And all I could ask as I was reading this nonsense from this jackass was, have you ever watched college basketball? Are you doing this just to get clicks? Uh, the motivation didn't seem logical. It seemed like something someone would say who has just a horrible bias against Purdue. I can't find his bias against Purdue, what it would be. Um, but then I saw all the comments in, in these, uh, these posts, these Twitter posts, and I think they're all based on trying to get you to click on The Athletic and pay them some monies. Uh, I did not do either. I did not click on the bait. I did not go and become an Athletic subscriber. Didn't read his articles. Was not intrigued by him enough to waste any more time with him. But one of the things I did take away was the comments and this is relatively a new thing. It started last year, and you probably noticed it too. If you're like me, you uh, 
sadly spend too much time on the um, on social media reading about Purdue and trying to glean some things, and, and it is a massive waste of time. Bad news for you and I both. One thing I thought is, you know, a lot of people with internet muscles right now really hate Purdue. And more than Purdue, they hate Zach Eady, right? And so my, my title picture today is this gleaming Z over the city of Toronto. I actually did that with the help of a, my fa- one of my favorite um, AI search, en- search engines and a little bit of post-Photoshop um, uh, work because I thought it was neat. I think it's big. Zach is a big, shining example over the city of Toronto, and he showed it's his city last week. That was really fun. That was cool. Um, but Zach is also hated by some people, and the reason they hate us because they ate us. Not ate us. But I, that phrase always makes me laugh. Um, they hate Purdue because they don't want to see them succeed anymore, and they're kind of, they're probably, there are a lot of people out there, and you can understand the, the people that are college basketball fans that are frustrated by Purdue, because you're frustrated by Purdue at times, but they see Purdue's massive amount of success during the regular season. They see the November championships in the virtual banners that we've made fun of, and then they say, why no postseason success? And when, here's the thing, I was talking to my good friend Handel Jones uh, before this about some different things and priorities in life and it got philosophical and it was fun um, but one thing that we both landed on is uh, we want to see Purdue succeed in the postseason as much as anybody but when they succeed in the postseason if they succeed in the postseason what level of success is enough where do you feel like it's this is the right thing like okay hey they've gone to the final four I'm satiated I'm 48 years old, guys. I, I think a Final Four would do it for me. I think I'd be very, very happy, very satisfied, because I've been waiting for that. I was five years old when they went to the Final Four last time. I have no recollection of the day, of the weekend. My dad was there in Market Square Arena when Purdue went and lost to the Final Four. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, though, a lot of the haters, quote-unquote haters, I hate that term as well, um, the people that have chosen to make Purdue as their, their object of hate, um, maybe they're just saying, well, this team sucks because they, they don't win on the biggest stage. Okay, that's, that's a fair criticism. And it's a lot easier to let out a blurb about Zach Eady's a poopy face and, he, and refs love him um, than it is to actually be thoughtful in, what, 280 characters or less on Twitter or whatever they do on your favorite platform. Um, one thing I have found recently on another platform is there are certain topics, if you speak about those topics. You can make some people angry internationally, and you can have comments coming at you for days and days and days. And you may not even thought it was an issue, but oh boy, that one issue was an issue, and it was religion to some. Well, I can tell you, if you're a healthy, smart, well-acclimated Purdue fan, this isn't religion to you. This is your favorite diversion. You love it. You went there, probably, or your dad went there, and you just want to see him win because you want to see something come to fruition that you've been hoping for for most of your life. I'm there with you. And I don't care about the hate from other people. I think that hate is a badge of honor, whatever you want to call it, the fake hate, the fake internet trolls saying what they say. That stuff's all good because that means Purdue's hit a modicum of success. They need to take the next step. That's all there is to it. Now, is beating Arizona on Saturday going to be that next great thing for this Purdue team, for Matt Painter? No, it's not. It really is not that big of a deal either way. Win or lose, this Arizona game is a lot like a lot of games this season will have been and will be. If Purdue keeps playing the way they're capable of playing, they are going to be one of the best teams in the nation, period. They are going to be in the top five to ten regardless. Even if they trip over themselves a couple times, they will be one of the best teams in the nation. I think back to way back a year ago when UConn was um, struggling. I think it was right around early January. UConn lost 
I want to say four straight games, something like that, okay? And a lot of UConn fans back in December and January, and Purdue reached the number one spot, were angry at Purdue. They hated Purdue too. Purdue got number one. They didn't deserve it. Well, Purdue had earned that number one because of the way they had played in November. UConn thought they deserved that spot. And then UConn proved they didn't belong in that spot at that point, right? Everybody, if you were smart, if you had watched UConn play, said that's a good team, but they're incomplete. Somehow UConn was able to put it all together at the right time, run through the tournaments. The matchups were fortuitous. They are a very good team. They have, I think they had two NBA players on that squad, and they had a coach that was cool as a cucumber. Well, he's, he's kind of a red ass at times. But he was down the stretch. He said the right things, pushed the right buttons, and got the job done. That is the question I think most Purdue fans have about this Purdue team, is what can Matt Painter do in March to calm people down and do what he does in November and December to get guys to believe and to take it easy in those tense moments. He did something right versus Alabama. I talked about it in the postgame, and he had Braden Smith dialed in, and that's probably not on game day that it happened. It probably happened days before. He probably showed him some video of Northwestern and talked him through about what he did wrong, what Braden Smith could have done to slow the game down a little bit, to not panic. He may have installed some new plays to say, okay, it doesn't have to all be about Zach Eadie. We can run some sets through you. This can be you first, and if it breaks down for you, get it to Eadie. Pop it into the corner. Don't leave your feet without knowing where the ball is going to go. Basic stuff that you learn and that Braden learned when he was in sixth grade, putting it into practice, right? But Braden Smith played a hell of a game and carried Purdue, all but carried them to victory versus Alabama. Okay, and speaking of Alabama, the next point that I want to talk about. Here's how you know Purdue's good. And I said it after the Marquette game, and I'll say it again because I've had time to listen to a bunch of people talk about that Purdue-Alabama game. Purdue beats Marquette. Purdue to Alabama, the same fallout happens for both of those teams. I hear national pundits, guys from all over, no Purdue connection at all saying, wow, Alabama is good. Did you see the way they lost to Purdue? And it just makes me like, it's like um, smelling salts. I can't believe I hear that. They said the same thing about Marquette when Marquette lost to Purdue. They said, wow, that Marquette's team. Did you see the way they lost to Purdue? Purdue is special. Purdue is, this is a big time team. They can do so much. And when they're playing like they are right now with Braden Smith and Zach Eady, a two-man game, it's not just a one-man game now. Whoa, Purdue is good. But then they say things like, wow, Purdue somehow withstood that barrage of three-point shooting. This is exactly the way Nate Oates wants his team to play. Nate Oates wants them to bomb threes or hit layups. Well, no crap. That's what most people want because threes are worth a lot and layups are easy. But here's the one thing about that game. Um, in the wake of it, Purdue leaves with the victory. Alabama leaves with a loss and a ton of respect. That's, that is just such a big difference from previous seasons. Jay and I and Anish and I, we've been talking about this for about three years. The media loves Purdue. The media loves Matt Painter. The respect is just heaped upon their head and, a, and heaped upon your head if you're a Purdue fan because you're hearing it and it's fun and it's a neat new era. But at the other side, you want to say, okay, enough of respect. Let's go earn the thing. Let's go get something bigger. And this week, since it's kind of a bye week, I can talk about that. So is the Arizona game, win or loss, going to make or break the season? Absolutely not. Okay, next point. Next point. Northwestern and Coach Collins suck. If you watched Northwestern play last night, I watched the second half. I turned it on because I thought it was funny that they were down versus Chicago State. Chicago State, I think, was 3-6? and six? 3-6 and six coming into the game? Because I was like... 
I can't uh, I can't see. Is that nine and zero? I sent to my son because I saw it in in the quad view or the triple view on YouTube TV, which is awesome. And I have no money in getting from YouTube TV, but that's a cool product. Uh, so I bring it up, bring up the game and uh, Chicago State. No, they're not good. They're not good. But they're from Chicago, and they had the chip on their shoulder that Northwestern has every time they play Purdue. Here's the problem. Northwestern gets to number 25 in America. Northwestern, I think, had one loss coming in. They had lost to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, somebody, somebody. SEC team, I believe. And then they had chances. It was a lot like a Purdue-Northwestern game. Northwestern was the, uh, uh, what would you call it? They were, they were the ones that should win the game. They were the favored team. They couldn't do anything with it. And at this point, since Northwestern had already done their damage against Purdue, I'm kind of like, yeah, go win, Collins. Go, don't be a numbnuts. But in front of 15 or 20 murmuring fans, Northwestern lost, peed down their leg. So screw you, Northwestern. I ask you for one thing, and that's how you treat me. So I'm done with you again. We're, we're through. Um, next thing I want to talk about. Okay, so this is the bigger overarching thing. I wanted to answer this or talk about this, not answer it. I wanted to show you my reaction, talk about it a little bit. And I've been talking about it a long time, how I think the thing that I love or one of the things I really love, college sports, are being shaken at, shaken at their core thanks to all the rule changes. Maybe you feel the same. Maybe, you say, maybe you're like a niche. You're like, yep, this is what I want. I want more change. Just change. I've never wanted change for the sake of change, and I've never been afraid of change, honestly. In my real life, personal life, and important things, that's how I handle things. But if there's something I really care about, I struggle with major change because I don't want to break up something that I love, okay? Saying that I love college sports is a bit much, but I really, really like them. I'm really fond of them, and I really, really like wasting my time with Purdue sports. Obviously, I've been doing this a long time. If you don't know this, I've been doing this for 17 and a half years podcasting in some way, blogging, when, back when that was the term that was being used, right? I really like doing this. I don't get paid anything to do this, but it's fun. And so when the things started shaking with different rule changes, I was like, okay, this isn't good. And sure enough, this hasn't been good. And the, one of the big things is like you saw Dion Burks uh, found green, uh, greener pastures. He's going to Oklahoma. He's going to play where there is no quarterback right now. Their quarterback went to Oregon. Or I think Oregon. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? Um, my brother has taken up a policy, a smart policy. And I took up a similar party policy years ago because of my frustration with recruiting that I was not going to get too tuned into recruiting until guys signed. And then I would celebrate these guys are boilermakers now. This is exciting now. They are part of the, the program. They're part of the family, whatever you want to call it. But now my brother's like, you know what? I'm just going to come in on Saturdays because he's, a, he's a, both a season ticker, ticket holder for football and basketball. And he said, I'm just going to come in during the season, get to know these guys, enjoy them, maybe dig in at that point, listen to interviews, enjoy their personalities. And you're like, okay, this is cool. This guy's pretty cool. I like this guy. He's a pretty boilermaker. He's wearing black and gold. I can dig that. It gets really harder than, than it's ever been to really keep up with these guys in the offseason. And it's even harder for me, someone who does this as a hobby, a very, very intensive hobby that takes a lot of time, I still can't remember guys' names. Especially in football, I could not remember some guys' names. Part of that's me being old, and I don't have a brain as good as yours. But part of it is I didn't study in the offseason because I couldn't. These moving parts are crazy. And so Deion Burks, who was a featured part of the offense, is gone. He's not a Boilermaker anymore. And now the NCAA says they're going to give a, an extension on the uh, transfer exemption. 
So the NCAA backs down again because their rules don't make any sense and they've never had good structure and they've never had thoughtfulness when they create new things. This is not new. And they've never had consistency in um, uh, enforcing rules. They've never had it. Not in my life. And this continues. So now they're extending that again. So now you can have a second transfer without penalty. One of the things that I think a lot of college sports fans found solace in was, okay, he's already had his transfer. Our Hudson card, has he, he's here now. That's our guy. And you hope Hudson likes it at Purdue because I like Hudson card. I think he has big upside. A lot of you disagree. You don't think he's the guy. I like Hudson card. Jay loves Hudson card. I see there's a good reason to say, yeah, he's got two more years of eligibility. Hopefully he ends his career at Purdue and he leads him to a lot of wins and we get to have some fun on Saturdays. But Hudson card could now transfer, theoretically, and I don't know what his NIL deal was. I do know he drives a big, fancy truck. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen him get into it. That's great. I have no problem. I do not disparage Deion Burks or Hudson Card or any of the athletes going to get the money. But I will say it is a, the converse of that, the specialness of a guy like Gus Hartwig staying when the guy to his left or the guy who took his spot leaves to go to Maryland that's noteworthy to me because Gus Hartwig decided to stay. It was worth it to stay. Maybe it was the education. Maybe it's the fact that he likes the colors black and gold. Maybe it's because his parents are a certain way. I've met them. They're nice people. Who knows? Whatever it is, that's the thing we should celebrate is the guys and the girls that decide to stay at Purdue because they really want to be there. Every college athlete thinks there is greener grass on the other side of the fence right now. Every single one of them. The question is, does somebody talk about it and say, hey, you've got a pretty good deal. People, you know, really need you there. The coaches like you. You have a special role. You may get an NIL deal over there, or you may be able to wear the colors of Alabama or whoever. Pick a college team that you like. But you also may get out there, and it might be freezing cold. You might get out there, and that NIL money isn't as sweet as you thought it was. Or get this, you might not even be ready for that. Whatever, that takes good counsel. Not everybody has good counsel, especially when you're 18 years old. And I didn't have the wherewithal to make good decisions like that, but my parents did. So thank God for the people that have good counsel around them. And thank God for the, the guys and girls that come to Purdue and they want to stay. That's awesome. The next part of this, the other part of the NCAA rule, it's a bigger deal than just that. The extension of the, the transfer is the NCAA now says there's going to be that subdivision of paid players. They're going to be on um, salary in the next few years. It's coming quick. So it'll be a pro league, not a semi-pro league. They're going to be making more money than you and I. I'm positive of that. In fact, and then there's the next layer, which the NCAA came back with about two, lays, two days later. Now we think it'd be great if the athletic departments and the universities had the NIL in-house. So what that becomes is a salaried athlete with a bonus structure. Okay. All right. This is not the thing I grew up with anymore, and that's okay. I, again, I don't begrudge the players. This system sucks, though, and they need to do so much thought before they implement it. Instead, they're going to roll it out, and it's going to be chaos even more than we already see because there are no contracts. There are no. There are tampering rules in place, by the way. There are tampering rules right now in place with the NCAA, and they are not enforced. We have heard rumors about Braden Smith being talked to by multiple programs, specifically Gonzaga. And I think those rumors are very true because the source that we heard them from, right? That stuff is rampant. I can tell you tampering has always been a problem in NCAA sports because I had a neighbor who was an all-American track and field guy who started at one school in Indiana and he ended in a national powerhouse and became a national champ because he was a late bloomer. This has happened for a long time. That guy is in his 40s. 
So this has happened for a long time, but now you've got real big boy money changing hands and real big boy business and real investment. And there's going to be real anger from those investors if that, if that investment doesn't stay and fulfill its end of the bargain. And if you want to not look at these guys as commodities, good, don't. I think it's great if you can look at them as individuals and kids because they are. But darn nabbit, the rules are all changing. And what, what the NCAA is going to have very quickly is something more akin to what um, they do soccer in Europe where 16, 17, 18-year-olds are just pros. And what happens with that is a greater um, anger level when people lose their money because they are gambling on it. That's, let's be real honest. That's the whole thing. I don't gamble on sports. You might. You might find it interesting. I find sports pretty damn interesting without that angle. The emotion of college sports have always been a thing. If this becomes something that it's just a business, it's going to change my perspective a lot. So that's a hell of a rant. That's a lot for a quick cast, but here's the deal. I'm going to be here with you uh, at the post game after the Arizona game. I hope you enjoyed this little departure of what's normal um, and some, uh, what do they call it in corporate speak, 30,000 foot view stuff. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, uh, AJ's and Homefield Apparel. Thank to you for tuning in. And now let me get what this could be. This is a short, quick cast, 21 minutes already. I'm going to go through the comments real quick because I appreciate you guys being here. And I love the interaction. Todd Singer, uh, good afternoon to you. Ted Berkey, uh, any chance of a handsome hour coming soon? Okay, Ted, I'm going to be real honest. There is nothing on the books for a handsome hour coming soon. If you have an issue with this, and I'm not kidding, Hit us up on Twitter, not Boiled Sports. The Boiled Sports account is mostly me. Jay gets on there a little bit. But if you know Jay's Twitter feed and you know Anisha's and Michael's even, because the basketball beat is still a, an imaginary, ethereal thing, ask them, say, hey, when's it coming, guys? And hit them hard. Keep asking them questions. Be polite. Be nice. Be gentle. But ask them. It's okay to ask them. I am not making that decision, obviously. It's not, it's not my court. Uh, they are busy. Uh, they have jobs that are a lot more demanding than mine. I will say that. I am blessed to work out of my home. I have for 20-something years, even before it was cool. Um, and uh, so I get to do things like this. They don't have that. And so their schedule is a little different. I think that football is hard. The weekly thing is hard. So, yeah, there you go. It's a long answer, but... Hit them up on Twitter. I think it's the best way to communicate. I know they do hear it, even if they don't respond. I think they are very good about responding. Nate Anderson says, uh, work is later for you. Good. So you got to have a little diversion this afternoon. I hope it was worthwhile. Ben Carnahan, mid-afternoon quick cast. I'm setting the over-under for 28 and a half minutes. You, okay, that's, boy, that was good. I'm not going to bet, but I'm sure there are people that have thrown down their $5 on the table for this. Um, good guess. Andy Day, afternoon to you. Uh, the Well Ministry, uh, he's prepared. Maybe even a PowerPoint presentation. Yes, I had the PowerPoint presentation and my clicker's broken. Very funny. Um, Travis Brandon says, this is quite a surprise. I hope it was a good surprise to you. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Greg, McMan uh, Greg McManus, my pal uh, from the, the ancient land of, of Lincoln. Not he's from, from there, he lives there. Uh, but Greg says, hello. I say hello to you, sir. Um, Ultimate Boiler, uh, I love thinking about things no one asked me to think about. Yeah, I do it too much. And that's part of the thing. When you're in an office by yourself, the majority of the day, you have time to do that. And so for me, my, my job allows me to uh, do things in front of me, have uh, a podcast in the background, a uh, either audio or video podcast. And all those things do is they just kind of bubble up in the back. And then eventually I, I, all these thoughts come out. So good or bad, you guys, I appreciate you guys uh, enjoying some of this thought 
together. Um, big time boiler, Grant, how are you? Uh, feels good to be hated, and it is weird, isn't it, Grant? I know you've, you've uh, been doing this for a couple years too, so right on. Uh, Todd Singer says, Torres writes for The Athletic. Good, I canceled my subscription. Yeah, Torres is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Begin with an A. Andy Torres? Um, doesn't matter. Uh, that was, I think the guys at uh, either Sleepers or Field of 68 said that they thought that was clickbait, and I think they're right. It was, I think it was Sleepers. So they're very, that's a good feed, by the way. I like those guys. A little different perspective than me. I like, the, I like their, uh, their thought process, and um, they're funny. Uh, they've got some funny takes. Todd Singer uh, said, okay, need of being versus the stream came at the perfect time. Break up the monotonous workday. Hammer down. Boiler up. Um, let's see. Uh, I think you mean Zed, not Z. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, not it's not Z, it's Zed. It's a good point. Todd Singer says, I think you mean Zed. And our friends north of the border would say Zed. They would not say Z. Uh, and the funny thing is, uh, Painter has a great nickname for Edie. And I've called him ZD. Um, uh, you can call him the Big Zed. That'd be good. Big Zed is actually really good. That is a very, that might be the nickname. But that to me is almost like the Big Maple, which I think is totally based on his Canadianness being um, one of his biggest factors. I know it is one of the things that's noteworthy about Edie. But Painter calls him Zebo, which I, I like that. That sounds like a massive, I don't know, if, is that a, I think that's a reference to Friday. Is that true? The movie? I think that is. I'm not sure. Anyway, those are, that's, this is a good discussion. This is important stuff. Uh, Ted Berkey says, how long would a final four satiate the appetite for success? Would a national title do more for you or last longer? Okay. So here's the thing. This is a question that all of us will have to answer all Purdue fans. One thing that I noticed is that one of the reasons we want the championship is just to say, shut up. I'm sick of hearing about banners on that side from that other fan base. Sure. That's true. But when it happens, if it happens, if there is a banner in the rafters, that is in the legitimate tournament era for Purdue, they'll say we have five. Well, you really don't have five in the modern tournament era, other fan base. So that might be part of it. For me, though, and I told Handel this, a lot of this comes down to I want to be there for my favorite team, for my alma mater, to reach the top of that mountain. I don't care what mountain, if we say Final Four or National Title, whichever one you've got is your, is your goal, that's fine. Or if you say... Going to the the playoff next year when it's 12 teams, whatever, pick your goal. I think it's a personal question. I think a Final Four would probably scratch that itch for me. I'll be real honest. I that would be. I've never thought a national title was even an option until seeing this team be this good. My expectations rose with the rankings with Purdue beating powerhouses and blue bloods the last couple of years. Um, I'll admit it. Jay said that best that with with great success comes higher expectation. He didn't say that. And I started getting to the Spider-Man quote, and I didn't go with it all the way. It does come with great responsibility, by the way, the great success. Um, and the responsibility has not been fulfilled. Let's be real honest. Um, Brock Stepler says, pump for Saturday. Awesome. Hope you're going. Tickets are hard to find. I had a discussion. They are expensive. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, I'm excited about the game, but I'm, I am, this is house money. So um, figuratively, like I said, I don't bet on this stuff. Um, Ultimate Boiler says, imagine the streets of West Lafayette, Purdue won at all. Imagine the dorms, imagine the, imagine the fallout uh, from that. Uh, remember, there were couches burned, thrown out of windows when the women's team won in the 90s. It would be wild. And the funny thing is, yeah, it would be wild. I can't get my head around it. I'll be real honest. I'm an imaginative guy. Part of my job is creating product, and I don't think I can imagine it. 
because I've pulled myself far enough away because I don't want to be totally damaged, just partially damaged like I am right now, um, if they don't do it again. So, yeah, I can't imagine it. Need to be inverse says UConn is a perfect example. I had already forgotten about. Good point. Yeah, they they were they were not that good in January. In fact, they were skidding. They were careening, trying to figure themselves out. They had an injury, I think, but on top of that, they were not playing good basketball, and they figured it out. They paid the price. And if Purdue needs to figure one thing out, if you're going to say, "Hey, Coach Painter, what you need to do is you need to find a way to develop." <laughs> it's the same thing I talked about after the Alabama game. We need another dynamic guard. And I don't know if you just pay the price and you take your lumps and you say, okay, Miles, Cam, you guys are going to play more minutes. Full stop. Because that's the answer. I'm not saying to disparage anybody else, but Purdue needs another dynamic guard because other teams are guard-based. This is modern college basketball. That is the big story. Teams are based on six, 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 seven guys. Some of those six, 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 seven guys can handle and move real quick. Some of those guys are bangers. But generally, the Ohio State model for the last couple of years, the way they built their lineup is pretty typical. Uh, interchangeable parts is another buzzword you hear a lot, right? Purdue is not interchangeable parts. Zach Eadie's not bringing the ball up anytime. And Braden Smith is not playing with his back to the basket. Purdue does not play that offense. Purdue's planning their play running is a completely different model. But you have to play those teams, so you have to have somebody to answer. Um, let's see. Uh, Greg, Greg McManus, uh, moral victory kingmakers. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Man. Um, let's see. Uh, Jason Davenport says, every loss is a referendum. Yep. This is, that's the, it's one of the best quotes Anisha's ever had. Anisha's a very smart person, but that's the best. It's an incredible thing. We don't believe that. Us, we don't say every loss is a referendum. We don't, and every win is worthless. We don't say that. We don't say that around here, but many people just outside here within the Purdue family say that exactly. It's a great, great quote. Um, Greg Manis says, 335 in Kim Palm last night. I'm sure that's a reference to Chicago State. That's embarrassing, Northwestern. That's like losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. God, sorry. At least Purdue didn't do it on a big stage. See, if I don't say the joke, when you're five foot four, someone's going to make fun of your height, okay? So you get better at making the joke before they can even say it. So we've all already thought that joke, so I'm just going to get it out of the way. Uh, Nita Brian versus Northwestern lost uh, in front of six of their fans. Look at all the fan wearing purple. Look at all the passionate fan. All those rich kid uh, praying or doing whatever they were doing that they would find a way to beat Purdue just, what, 10 days ago, week and a half ago, whatever, two weeks ago, they weren't there. And I know the students are gone because it's break, but I also know there was nobody there. You can't tell me there aren't alums that aren't excited by the fact Northwestern's ranked. How many times have been ranked in the history of the program? Not many. They had some weird stat about the last time they won as a ranked team. I think it was in the 60s, something like that, if I remember correctly. I think that's right. I, I'm probably wrong. Um, okay, Ron Gable, my pal, says uh, Northwestern fans don't know who to root for when they aren't wearing old. Yeah, this is a good point. Aren't wearing old gold and black. That's a very good point. Their favorite colors are old gold and black. And if there aren't two teams in old gold and black in the arena, they have no idea what to do. The Purdue thing, having an old gold and black team versus an old gold and black team, that's like double the rooting. That's fun for them. Good point, Ron. Thank you. Ted Berkey, uh, gold and black team, had a hard time remembering who was on the on the team. Yeah, th so they were double cheering. That's it's a follow-up. Good good stuff. Um, Nate Anderson said, Hudson grew up in Richie, rich part of Austin. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I thought that he came from a little more money. I don't like to assume anybody's upbringing or how that affects them, but I think... 
I don't think he's a kid that needs a lot. I think if you're a person that really believes this is going to help your family, like I said, I do not disparage the kids going and, and making money at all. But what I would say, and I would think this would be almost like an employment deal. Let's say you're making $30,000. Let's put this in money that makes sense to everybody. Everybody's had a bad job that you made $30,000, $35,000. Maybe you've made less at one point or another. But you went to your, job, your boss and you said, hey, I have an opportunity to make sixty to double my salary. And the boss can do, be real honest. You say, okay, get out. You already, you already interviewed. It's done. Go take the job. Or the boss can say, let me see what I can do. There's a lot of things to do. And I know a lot of kids, again, it comes down to the council. Um, but jumping ship all the time, gosh, it gets old. It just gets old. Um, now I want these guys to be Purdue players forever. I was heartbroken when David Bell only got three, three years in a Purdue uniform. I was heartbroken, heartbroken when Rondell Moore couldn't play because of injury and he left. George Karloftis. Again, these, I mean, that's the thing. All these careers, to me, you come in, you're like, we get four years with them. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um, Greg McManus says, uh, Matt Rule said the quiet part out loud two weeks ago, I need $1 million for a, Q, a portal QB, and it sounds like he's got it. There are rumors going around, right? I don't know if it's a done deal yet, that he's getting Kyle McCord from Ohio State, and he's getting a wide receiver from Georgia. I mean, wild. Matt Rule did what Ryan Day did a couple years ago. I think Ryan Day said two years ago, not last summer, summer before, he needed $47 million or $42 million, something. It was a very specific number to keep the program playing at the high level and compete in the NIL. Very, very specific. And they're not saying the quiet part loud. They're saying the part they want to be heard by the boosters loud. Now, Greg and other Purdue, Rich Purdue fans, not me, you guys better dig in deep because there's a... Oh. Here's the thing. The priority about who should stay... By the way, I think we've run the over. Yeah, we're at the over. Sorry. Bad news. You probably picked the over if you're smart. We're at 33 minutes. Um, there are going to be... I don't have a problem with the idea of Zach Eady getting paid because Zach Eady earned the money. <laughs> okay? So there's to me, this is the practicality of me. If these rules exist and this is the way it's going to be, I want a guy that he's actually done something to earn it. Now, the guy who has not earned it, meaning hasn't done a whole bunch, and I'm not going to name any names right now, and they say, I can go and do this. Fine, go do it. I don't think you're going to get it here. And that might be what's told by Purdue's NIL Collective. We can't pay that. Your market value, we don't see it as that. A lot of logic in the Purdue fan base, and I love them for it, and I don't like it for like us for it at times. I got to say us there. So... Um, let's see, Dan, the echoes, uh, that echoes my feelings on sports betting perfectly. I like sports already. I don't need to put money on them. I, I, I feel way too much passion about this stuff to begin with. Even when it's not Purdue, if it's an interesting game, I can literally be yelling at the screen about what's happening. Northwestern and Chicago state. I cared a lot. I was like, okay. And I, the funny thing is I wanted Northwestern to win before. Cause I was like, okay, this is good for Purdue. Purdue doesn't need anything for their resume. The resume set. I was just going to say, and screw you, Chris Collins. Gosh darn it. Um, but it was funny to watch. They just kept, Chicago State just kept making plays. And guess what happened at the end? Northwestern stopped making plays. That's the crazy thing. Boo Booey could not make it happen. And Barry missed multiple shots. The two guys that were absolute daggers in Purdue's heart this year and last year, I believe. I think they both did it. You also had uh, Adige beat up Purdue last year. But Barry and Bowie, Barry and Bowie, Barry and Bowie, Bowie and Barry, um, they missed shots down the stretch, which they did in versus Purdue. The Well Ministry says, even with the uh, faculty upgrades, the Big Ten money, I don't see how Purdue can compete in the new landscape. 
Okay, now, so let's, let's, this is a good, it's a good point, but I want every Purdue fan to be introspective at some point. Did you think, not you specifically, uh, well, ministry, but did you think that Purdue was really competing with Ohio State ever? And the reason I say this is Ohio State has always had a different set of priorities and a much broader net. Their fan base is big, and these are people that spend money much differently than you and I generally. They don't just buy season tickets. They throw down $1,000 to be in whatever the Buckeye equivalent for John Purdue Club is. It's the highest priority in life for them. This is not the highest priority in life for me. It is not even close. It is a high priority, and I love Purdue sports. This is not my highest priority. And I got bad news for you. If you're expecting that from me, you haven't been paying attention for a long time. But I, I don't come out very often and say something that pointed, but I will say that. This is not the highest priority for me. You're not going to compete on a place that has Subway alums, meaning people that aren't alums, they just say win. Win at all costs, and I'll be back next year, and I'll put more money into the hopper. Just win. Purdue doesn't think that way, and I hope Purdue never thinks that way. And if that means you got to downgrade the program and not be in that paid subdivision, fine, so be it. Maybe you got to try it for a year or two, see if you can make things work. I do not want Purdue to sell its soul for that. I do not want Purdue to be saying every 15 minutes asking Greg McManus for a million dollars to get a quarterback. I do not want it because Greg only has so much money and Jay only has so much money. Those power brokers in the Purdue family, are there's only so many of them. Um, Greg, again, says, it's all from NIL collectives. Depends on how much each can raise. And this is what changes, though, Greg. This is the shift. Right now, the NFL NIL collective is the thing that doles out the money. Drew Brees used to be head of it. Now it's a new guy, I believe. Um, can't remember his name. But the NCAA shift, the change, the proposed change, is the university will control the NIL collective. Now, this is where it gets interesting for Purdue because Purdue has a great leveler that many teams don't have, right? The Big Ten is now going to be 18 teams, I believe, after the most recent changes and expansions. Every team, every school, except for the ones that have an unusual deal for their buyout, will get 70 to $100 million. With that money, you would shift some of it away from facilities, obviously. And then you would hope that tickets would go up as you keep people there and as you build a program. So the university, from the TV money, would have its bonus structure in place, its raised salaries in place for these athletes. That's where it comes down to a guy like Babinski, who is a really smart business guy. This is where you can make hay. Am I for this? No, I'm not for any of this. But I am for the idea that if there's this much money in the hopper, that the players do get compensated. I think we've got a whole nother bag of worms or can of worms. Not a bag of worms. That's gross. A can still gross. But we have a whole nother can of worms uh, that I'm not even going to talk about today. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It has a lot to do with Title IX and other sports. And that's the next thing that a lot of universities, a lot of athletic departments are going to have to cross. Purdue is already a university that refuses to run in the red in the athletic department, and they will continue to do that. And Purdue has fewer sports overall than, uh, than I think anybody in the Big Ten. They have fewer sports in Northwestern for that reason. And this will start affecting, if you start paying everybody and giving these, you get into arms race. If you're at Nebraska, you might be fine, but you're not so good when you're at Minnesota or Iowa. It's going to become a harder thing. And then you're going to say, okay, which sport do we cut? Which sports do we cut? Multiple sports. Does it become something that looks like 
It's just a, you've got a bunch of amateur sports that aren't under the NCAA or under the NCAA. And then you've got basketball and football all by themselves in this thing. I don't know. And does that then again, Title IX, there has to be uh, equal pay for women. There is no equal in football. There is no women's football league. And that's the whole thing that I look at. This, to me, opens the door wide open for Super League talk, and it opens it, it makes it very easy that Super League becomes the subdivision, not even basketball and football. Basketball could stay where it is, and football just runs away. So we'll see. A lot of stuff can happen. As Zachary Young said, a toast I made last year at Christmas was God, family, and Purdue basketball to my family uh, of IU and indie, indie fans. I'll drink to that. We need it to happen sometime, though. Uh, last comment, uh, Greg McManus says, the fewest in the Big Ten. It was always a bummer uh, uh, for the club soccer guys, uh, but we knew the lay of the land. Yeah, lacrosse is one of them. Did I say lacrosse or soccer? I meant lacrosse, and I know you're, you you coach lacrosse. But, yeah, lacrosse is one of those sports. I wish Purdue had a varsity lacrosse team. I wish Purdue had a varsity hockey team because we're in hockey country. I like both those sports, too. Um, to me, it makes great sense, but they don't. Um, they don't have the budget. They don't do it. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's one more comment here. Is there any return on investing in, say, 100 to, or 500 to $1 million? Is there any return on investing in, say, 500000 uh, to $1 million? I don't know exactly what you mean, Jimmy Johns. Um, but the return of investment, if you're saying, like, individual player, if you pay them $500,000, Versus $1 million. Uh, if it's done by a consortium of people, I think they can legitimize it. If you're a, a rich lawyer, say down in Miami, and uh, you pay a guy to, to come to Miami, pay him, say, $800,000 plus a nice apartment and a car, how much success do you need to make it feel like it was enough? Um, even if you have a shell company that's a sham and you're hiding money from the IRS for one reason or another. I don't know the answer to those questions because I don't deal in those circles. So this is a whole thing. And I pray Purdue doesn't get into that garbage, that squalor. So uh, I don't think I answered any of your questions. I'm sorry. But that's it. 41 minutes, 29 seconds, just like you guessed, the over-under. Went really well, went smoothly, and it was a lot of fun, more importantly than anything. So uh, Jimmy John says, I know it's tax deductible, but I'm sorry. And I'm part of my screen's blocked, and I apologize. There's something, but something... Uh, what do us lowly alums get? You get the joy. You get the joy of going to the game on Saturday and saying, I had a little part of this, right? I think that's it. I'm not kidding. By the way, um, if you give to John Purdue Club, that's kind of the whole thing. You're giving to a scholarship athlete so they can come to Purdue and they can stay there. That was the old model, right? And that's good. That's good. And you could say, you know what? I feel like I'm part of this. If you paid tuition to Purdue, you can say, I feel like I'm part of this. If you lived on campus, you can say, yeah, I feel like I'm part of this. If you're, if you're a season ticket holder, yeah, I feel like I'm part of this. If you just tune in at home, you're like, man, I put in a lot of time in this. I feel like I'm a part of this. It kind of comes to your, your, this is where it's all personal. For me, the whole thing is like, okay, my family loves Purdue sports. We go to games. We get season tickets in football. We get some, season, uh, some basketball tickets. Um, I've had season tickets and it exhausted me. Um, we go to games on the road sometimes and the whole thing is, okay, yeah, I feel like this is my team. I can't get away from it. And you're probably like that if you're on this, this, this uh, show in this crowd. You're probably the same as me. So the whole thing is like, what do you feel like giving? For me, there are extremely worthy causes. There are people starving. There are people that need money. And Purdue athletes are not there. 
there are some of these kids that, you know, maybe at one point you could say, okay, this is their livelihood. Yeah, that's true. I'm reading these NIL values on on three and they say, I um, can't remember. There was a wide receiver on Purdue and they said he was worth $150,000. Here's a transfer. $150,000 a year. I'm going to be real frank with you guys. I did not make six figures until, well, I'm not going to get into this. I can tell you six figures is a lot of money. And saying a college kid, you are worth $150,000 a year. I know we're in a different time than when I got out of school. I'll be, I'm going to be real honest with you. I made $35,000 out of school. And I thought I was rich. I thought, wow, what am I going to do with all this money? Well, turns out when you live in the Boston area making $35,000, you really don't have any money. And I didn't. And I always had to have roommates out there. I found out that really quickly. Um, the internet was not really a very good thing. There was, there was hardly any internet at that point. It existed. But things like salary calculators and all that, it took talking to an accountant to get that. So uh, that's a long way. But back then, it was a little different. You th I mean, you thought, okay, I'm making more than I would have in Indianapolis. Um, but money's a funny thing. $150,000 for a college student for one year. When you have your room and board and your school paid for and all your clothing, I mean, unless you want to get a fancy suit. And even then, the school pays for your suit if you make a, a, an appearance, a custom suit. That's one of the things that happened, started happening in the last couple of years. That's awesome. That's great. But $150,000 for a guy who's just a student, on top of all that, that's great. That's big money. So I don't know if these NIL numbers are real, though. You don't ever see the contracts, right? There's no public Hardly ever do we see it. We know Zach makes more than a million dollars. His market value, that's great. If his market value is over a million, good. He's making what he, the market demands. That's great. I'm glad he's a boilermaker. So um, let's see. <laughs> Jim Johnson's tanks down. I, yeah, okay. Sorry. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I really don't know if I'm good at answering these questions sometimes. So, But thanks again, guys. Let's see. We're at 45 minutes. So you almost got a full handsome hour, by the way with half the cast of a, or a third of the cast of Handsome Hour, however you look at it. If you're an old schooler, Handsome Hour was two men. It was me and Jay. If you're a new school guy, it's me, Jay, and Anish. But generally, they're an hour, hour and a half. And we stop because one of those guys gets tired and has to go to have, have their warm milk and go to bed because they're old men. Not me, though. I stay up late. Um, but you got 45 minutes. Hope it scratched an itch for you. I do appreciate, again, the back and forth. I love it. I love this back and forth. And um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks to all my friends uh, who I know and the friends that I'll eventually meet. We'll see you at a Purdue game. Hammer down. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Go Boilers beat Arizona.